Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of Finsider Radio. We welcome back Houts, MD, Houts, Papa Bear. And Houts, I'm ready to have another kid, along with certain the creepy soccer dad. <laughs> Uh, certainly is feeling a really depressing kind of mood today with the Dolphins. Oh, man. And, of course, I'm MC Money. I can't even start the show right because Monday night was so depressing when the Dolphins got absolutely destroyed by the Carolina Panthers. Uh, destroyed is probably an understatement, 45-21. to 21. The score is absolutely ridiculous. But it's even worse than the score actually is. And, to, and tonight and this week on Finsider Radio, we're just going to have a therapy session. We're going to sit here. We're just going to vent. We're going to talk. We're going to try to make sense of this season thus far. We're going to try to make sense of the Panthers game. And we're going to try to make sense of everything that has gone on over the past few weeks to lead the Miami Dolphins to this point. And just quickly to get some of your thoughts, uh, boys, and you can go first. I mean, just what are your general thoughts on what happened on Monday night against the Panthers? Well, you know, we were talking before the show about how the Oakland game, we looked so much better, and it went by so quick. And then this game, we were getting our ass kicked, and it was like the final torture scene with William Wallace and Braveheart screaming for the last 10 minutes and it was just painful man it was just painful to watch so many different things go wrong definitely brought up a lot of questions that we didn't think that we would be asking at this juncture the season so we're gonna have to do a lot of soul searching in this show and i think you two would agree 
there's not one not one position group that we can't question at this point. How I mean, your thoughts? You're sitting there with your two week old, three week old daughter, and probably holding her in one hand, bear in the other hand, and just watching this crap show take place. What are you thinking? Yeah, yeah you nailed it. I mean, I feel bad because she just came into this world and she already witnessed two dolphin losses, and that's kind of just the story of all of our lives. I mean, I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm going into this game really expecting Miami to to beat the Panthers. I do think the Panthers are a good football team. Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey. They got weapons on offense. Their defense. Uh, they they won't let us forget that they were the number one statistical defense in the NFL going into this game. But uh, you wanted to see the Dolphins do a hell of a lot more than they did. I mean, Jay Cutler looked good these last few games. Completely to bed uh, against the Panthers. And, and like Sutton said, you could look at every unit on the team and find some sort of negative, very few positives. And uh, I just don't know where the team goes from here. And it's a sad, sad day to be a Dolphins fan. The Miami Dolphins are four and five and technically still in the playoff race. But as Hout said on the Finsider mailbag uh, on the Finsider.com, he said, we all have come to the realization that this team blows. Josh, I think that that accurately states it. This team does blow. I don't believe there's any chance for this team to really turn things around. Uh, even if they do somehow sneak into the playoffs, this team is probably losing in the first round. Uh, just being honest with everybody, you look at the remaining schedule. They got Tampa Bay this coming week on Sunday. They'll probably win that game, I think, uh, just because of Ryan Fitzpatrick and the terrible, terrible Buccaneers secondary. But then again, who knows with this team, what team is going to show up from week to week. And then they got, you know, after that, they got the Broncos. They got to travel to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. They got the Patriots twice. They got the Buffalo Bills twice. So you look at that schedule and you're like, yeah. Uh, if they're lucky, they might pull out two more wins. Uh, am I being too harsh there, Houts? What do you think? No, I don't think you're being very harsh. I mean, this team doesn't give us any reason to feel they could do otherwise. I mean, at, at times they've looked great, but – um, that was very, very few, very few and far between. So, I mean, for me, I, I don't see him winning more than two games. I know you said Tampa Bay might be one of them, but we just watched Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, beat the Jets, who, I mean, they've been pretty surprising this year. So, yeah, I know Winston's out, and you would think Tampa Bay would be an easy win, but I'm just not sure they are. And then you got Buffalo twice, Kansas City, that's a loss. Denver, uh, Brock Osweiler, Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, whoever's the quarterback there, they still got a good defense. And that would be a game that you could just see the Dolphins going in there with all the confidence in the world and just laying an egg. So you got those two games mixed in there with the two games against Buffalo and New England. And I think two wins the remainder of the year is a, a pretty good pretty good bet. So, and, you know, your thoughts on, on the rest of the schedule for the Dolphins. What are we looking at? I mean, you guys pretty much touched on everything. It's maybe we get to four and three, best case scenario. Considering the product we've seen on the field so far, I'm not saying crazy stuff doesn't happen in the NFL. We've all watched pro football long enough to know that crazy stuff happens. Uh, and it can sometimes come from nowhere. But there's no reason to expect this this Dolphins team to to get higher than eight and eight this year. You know, you just read all these articles, all these tweets after a game like this. And even probably midway through the third quarter, the tweets started flying out there from fans and reporters alike that just disparaging the Miami Dolphins and their players. And it was just 
it was just a disaster. And games like this, these blowout losses, you know, as a fan, it's easier to handle because you're not sitting there on the edge of your seat until the final drive of the game waiting for something good or bad to happen. I mean, this game was over right after halftime. So let's touch that situation a little bit. Dolphins down 10-7 with about 47 seconds to go. All three timeouts, they decide to pass the ball down the field. Before I give my opinion, Sutton, what was your opinion on that? Should they have run off the clock and sat on the ball? Or were they right to try to attack down the field? It's okay if you want to run a passing play. That particular decision at that and he, and he saw the whole play unfolding, too. So it's not like he was looking off to his right, waiting for Devontae to pop open or something, and then looked left late or anything. He was looking left the whole time. And I, it was the decision. And that, that was the one play where you're like, oh, my God, of course. You know, so they, they get the interception. They get a touchdown, and then they get the ball back, score another touchdown. And that's a huge swaying in that game so when you uh when you make that kind of progression and you, it, it just seemed like a predetermined throw and clearly it had disastrous results how's your thoughts while you were watching that unfold yeah i have no problem with going out there and trying to be aggressive maybe throw the football and hope to get downfield get a field goal or uh, uh there was no way they were going to touch down this is the dolphins but I don't see anything wrong with them going for it there, but that play, that design, like Sutton said, almost looked like Jay Cutler predetermined before that ball was even snapped where he was going with the football. And I'm not crazy enough to go back and rewatch this game, but uh, the <laughs> highlights that I saw going around on Twitter, it almost looked like he had Damian Williams underneath for like at least a nine, 10 yard gain. So uh, I question why he threw it to Julius Thomas. I even made a comment on Twitter as to what Jay Cutler sees Julius Thomas as. Is he a Gronkowski or a Travis Kelsey, maybe Zach Ertz, but Julius Thomas is slow uh, player, and I, I don't know why in, in the hell he tried to make that throw uh, with their backs against the wall and giving them the perfect field position after making that mistake. For me, I, I thought it was the right move to make trying to attack on the field. 47 seconds, you're coming off a fantastic drive where you just pushed the ball down the entire field and scored a touchdown, right? You, you force the Panthers to go out and you get the ball back. You have three timeouts and 47, um, 47 seconds and three timeouts. That's an eternity in the NFL. So at least, at the very least, right, you push the ball past the half-field mark. You get down to about the 40, 35-yard line. You try a long field goal. You try to tie it up going to the half. Remember, the Panthers are getting the ball to begin the second half of play. Uh, so I thought it was absolutely the right move. But I thought it was kind of uh, humorous that after the game – both Adam Gates and Jay Cutler said technically Luke Keekley was not supposed to be in that area. But technically, you know, Jarvis Landry is supposed to catch the ball. Technically, Kenny Stills is not supposed to slip on the ground. Technically, Devontae Parker is supposed to block on a play. I mean, it's up to the people executing the play to make an adjustment on it. And if they're not making adjustments, then, then you could put anyone out there and tell them to run a certain play, a certain post, a certain pattern – and then just launch it. And then what a poor answer for, for why that ball was intercepted. Technically, Keekley was not supposed to be in the area. Great. Well, he was. And you still throw it anyways. You, you see him You see him tracking towards Thomas. Uh, it, it, I don't know. Jay Cutler looked totally disinterested last night. I tweeted out, you know, you're at a backyard barbecue. You have a bear in one hand. You're wearing flip-flops. And, and then you're throwing a football at the other, right? You're not stepping into it. You're just standing back pushing your back, 
towards you know towards your rear and just throwing the ball. That's exactly what Jay Cutler looked like on Monday night. Totally disinterested, collecting his paycheck. And I know that's been the knock on him. His body language, you know, just sometimes he just looks disinterested. And we knew coming into the season with him that you were going to get your good games, you were going to get your bad games. But damn, when he has his bad games, his games are bad. I mean, he was throwing to open spaces on the field. Yeah, wide open, wide open hash marks at the 30-yard line when there's nobody, nobody within five to seven yards of where the ball landed. Help me figure out Jay Cutler, one of you. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, How do you want to try that one? Uh, yeah, I'm just laughing because I mean we all knew what Jay Cutler was when we we signed up for this, and I mean you're you're absolutely right. I mean I'm sitting here just thinking to myself, if Matt Moore was in there, would have he made those plays? And I mean we look back at that Baltimore game, and we got our ass kicked in that game. So I I don't know what what Gase or anyone else could have done in this situation. You got Cutler out there, you're executing plays. I think it was early in the game he could have easily scrambled for the easy first down. I think he saw Landry cutting open in the middle of the field, and he just freaking sailed it over his head. Later in the game, I think he sailed one over a, a post route. I mean, it, it's, it, it was frustrating. You see a guy like Jay Cutler. He's been around the league 34 years old. He's been been here, done everything. Highly talented prospect coming out of Vanderbilt. And then he just comes out and just – I mean, I, I don't know, man. You, you play football this long, I, I still don't understand why every pass is coming off his back foot. I don't, I don't understand – uh, that whole Luke Keekley thing, he was, wasn't in the spot he was supposed to be in. Well, that's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. He, he didn't want you to know what spot he was going to be in, and he still made <laughs> a damn throw. So, I mean, I, I can't make sense of it. Jay Culler, I mean, uh, more props to the guy. I mean, he came out $10 million. He came out of the booth to, to stand behind this offensive line and uh, try to help the Dolphins go 8-8 eight and eight or whatever he decided he was going to help us do. But uh, he he's lost a step, and – I, I can't make sense of it, son. Help, help me out here. Well, hey, hey, yeah, let, let me – this is a therapy session, so let, let's, let me <laughs> throw out a question to you guys. Are you guys – is everybody okay? Do you guys need to cry or anything? I have a shoulder. I, I do need it. I don't want to cry. Okay, because I mean, we're, we're in this together. So let me ask you this. Has your opinion of Ryan Tannehill changed – Honestly, my opinion, I've always had a high opinion on Ryan Tannehill. I thought he was always a top 10 to 15 quarterback. With When he was healthy, I thought he could have creeped up into that 10 spot. Uh, I've always had the most respect for Ryan Tannehill, and I do believe he's a franchise quarterback. I think he quarterback this franchise has had since Dan Marino. But uh, as Jay Cutler made me appreciate him more, absolutely. But I already had the most respect for him, and I also – believe that if the Dolphins were to ever make the playoffs to win that playoff game, I think it's going to be because of Ryan Tannehill. So I'm not sure it changed my opinion, but I definitely respect Ryan Tannehill, and I can't wait to have him back on the field. Yeah, I'm with Huts on that one too. I had tremendous respect for Tannehill towards the end of the season last year. We saw it. We saw everything we could do, but I think I really gained a lot of respect for him in terms of um, the mental part of the game where he's you know changing place in the line of scrimmage, getting out of the huddle real quick, making the right checks at the line of scrimmage, and then just avoiding the hits that we see Cutler taking sometimes. I mean, Cutler has been getting better, right, in terms of getting out of the huddle and making the right checks at the line of scrimmage. But, yeah, I mean, $10 million bucks. Jay Cutler coming in, not emotionally invested into the long-term future of the team. He knows he's just going to be around this year as, as a guy who can at least make the Dolphins somewhat competitive on the field. And it's really funny how the season has kind of flipped, right? 
the first few weeks of the season, the defense was the one carrying the team, and now it's the offense trying to carry the defense. And they're not playing complimentary football right now. And, you know, where do the Dolphins go from here? They're four and five, nine games in. They have seven games left. And I don't know if there's that magic button that someone can press where this team turns it around. Uh, the offense, yes, can get better. The defense is just such a mess right now. It's like, well, let's say my three-year-old daughter decides to have playtime and just dumps out all her toys all over the floor. I don't know where to start to clean up. And when you look at this defense from Monday night and in the past few weeks, where do you start to clean up this mess? Outs. <laughs> oh, yeah, come to me, the guy that knows all about cleaning up these real shitty messes. Um, I, I, I'm i not sure where you go from here. I mean, you you hope that the play calling gets better. I, I know there were a lot of people on Twitter that were bashing Gase, calling for his head. That's just stupid to me. I, I don't know why anybody would even say that. I think some of those people on Twitter, they want attention. They want to be trolls, whatever it may be. Adam Gase isn't going anywhere. He shouldn't go anywhere. But that's a whole that's a whole other discussion that we can get into later or another time. But for me, I think this team – as a whole, just needs to continue to get better. We started to see the run game get better with Kenyon Drake. He had that long run. Damian Williams is making plays. I, I am a little curious as to why after that huge Kenyon Drake run, they ended up the very next drive going back to Damian Williams after Drake looked great. So uh, there's still some head scratchers there. But I think the, I think as a unit, whether it be offense, defense, the coaching staff, I think everyone just needs to come together, come, <laughs> come together and do their job better because it's it's not working and things have to change. If you're the general manager of this team, we're going to start on the defensive side of the ball. Let's just let's just go for next week for Sunday's game. I mean, okay, you're not the general manager for next week, but you're the head coach for next week. What are you telling your guys in the locker room? What I wasn't expecting this year was to be so bad against the run last year. You know, we were, I believe, dead last or tied for dead last in, in yards per game and yards per carry. To have a such a strong run defense to start off the season, which I didn't expect to have that kind of bounce back there. We've given up like 184 yards per game or something in our last five games. And that's just inexcusable to give up that many yards on the ground. And again, it's 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 hard to determine where the sore spot is, is it the defensive line? Is it the defensive tackles? Is it the linebackers? Is it the, is it the safeties coming up? Is it just bad play calling? It seems like a combination of all those things. So that's why it's really hard to get to the bottom of what's going on because there's so many different variables at play that it's hard to disentangle everything. You look at the contracts for the Miami Dolphins moving in the long term here. And you look at Kiko Alonso, who the Dolphins cannot move on from until after the 2018 season. You look at Ndamukong Sue, the same thing. You look at guys, you know, all over the place. Rashad Jones with the big extension. They just signed T.J. McDonald to a multi-year extension. And it's and these are the guys that are that are making this defense atrocious. Adam Gase said it in his conference on Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon. He said, guys are, are trying to do too much on the defensive side of the ball. He said, you have playmakers who are trying to make all the plays in the world, and it's just not working because everyone is moving out of their lanes. He's right. You have Cameron Wake. You have Indomitian Sue. You have 
Guys like William Hayes, Lawrence Timmons, Kiko Alonso, Rashad Jones, they're all trying to make plays. T.J. McDonald, who had four missed tackles against the Panthers in his first game back after suspension, they all want to make that play. But right now it's more like it's about them than it is about the team when they're trying to do all that and try to get on the stat sheet and trying to be recognized for what they did. If they would sit back, stay in their gaps, stay in their lanes, stay within their assignments, the Dolphins can really cut down on this a ton and maybe get back to their dominant ways of defense the first few weeks of the season. Any thoughts on that, Houts, in terms of what the Dolphins can possibly do on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, you, you touched on it a lot there. I mean, this this team, it seems like they're all just trying to make a, make the big play. They're, they're not staying in their lanes. They're not staying disciplined. And we see it costing this team. We had a guy like Jonathan Stewart last night who gashed us. I think he's like 40, 45 years old at this point. And you, you just hope that the Dolphins can get it all together. I mean, you got Cameron Wake. He doesn't seem to be getting much pressure. Neither does Andre Branch, who he was a guy that I'm not sure if you touched on, but he's getting a big payday. And I haven't seen much, if anything, out of him this year. And it seems like some of the guys like Devon Godshaw and some of those younger guys are the ones that are coming in and making plays. So for me, I'm not sure what the Dolphins can do to fix things. The, the run defense, like Sutton said, was doing very well at the beginning of the year, and it just seems like it completely imploded as of late. You got guys like Kiko Alonzo, who we always knew was pretty bad in coverage. He just can't cover anything. It seems like he's out of place on almost every play, getting up the big game, whether it was to Christian McCaffrey or Ed Dixon. I mean, it. it it's hard, and I, I'm not sure. I know you mentioned T.J. McDonald in there as someone that, as part of this struggling unit, I'm not sure that he's really someone that we can put very much fault on at this point. But that contract, he, he earned it based off of what? Training camp and, and preseason hype. So, I mean, this team has a lot of decisions they got to make in the offseason, and, and things have to change because this defense isn't, isn't going to beat anyone. You mentioned Kiko Alonso and Christian McCaffrey in the same sentence. And Christian McCaffrey took Kiko out of his shoes several times throughout the night, just stopped and turned on a dime. And Kiko Kiko has regressed so much from last year to this year. And whether it's because he was changed uh, his linebacker position or he's just trying to do too much at this point, it's like, why are you trying to do too much? Lawrence Timmons is a good linebacker. You got Ray Maluga in the middle, who's a good run run stuffer. You have an amazing defensive line in front of you. You have an awesome secondary in terms of McDonald and Rashad Jones. Tankersley holding his own. Sure, Howard is struggling quite a bit. But why can't these guys trust each other? Something, I mean, it's just like a bunch of individuals playing football at this point in the state, point of the season. Well, just to, to piggyback on House's point when he was talking about Kiko, now he did have some good games earlier in the year. I know it's easy to forget, but he did have some earlier in the year. What seems to have happened since then, and I don't know why, speculate, but he looks really clumsy in coverage. Like he looks really slow to react. Whereas earlier in the season, he was a little bit more reactive. And he, I don't know if quarterbacks are taking advantage of that or, or, or what's happening there, but he looks a little bit clumsy in coverage right now. And you can tell on the tape that 
I mean, tight ends are beating him. Running backs are beating him. Obviously, if he gets matched up on a wide receiver, that's bad news. And that was one of the really disheartening things against Carolina. I mean, they're they're starting Devin Funchess and Curtis Samuel and some other dude I haven't heard of before. He actually dropped a couple passes but ended up making a couple plays against us. They were playing about as close to Legadunani and Devon Bess and Brian possibly play in the NFL. It's not those three people. And they marched right up and down the field against us. So it's heartening to see that all play out. But when you when we're, when we're talking about this therapy session and, and this whole roster, basically, I kind of worked my way backwards and I looked at and going into next year and who would we lose money releasing? I mean, I think we can start right there. Those are the people that are definitely going to stay. And I'll throw six of these eight. There's eight people on this list. Kenny Stills and Laramie Tunsil on offense. And then everybody else is on defense. You have Rashad Jones, Andre Branch, Charles Harris, TJ McDonald, and Raekwon McMillan. Those are we could lose money from if we release them next year. So financially, our nucleus is on the defensive side. I think you're going to end up seeing more investment, hopefully so. But what we've talked about before is how does Ryan Tannehill, how does that all mitigate what we're seeing on offense this year? Yeah, I mean, Sutton, you look at the defensive side of the ball with the salary cap, and really it's just an absolute mess what Mike Tannenbaum has done to this team. And we're going to get to Mike Tannenbaum in just a little bit and how he has taken this team and has created pretty much New York Jets South with the way the salary cap is structuring out to be. But if you cut Kiko Alonso in 2018, whether it's pre-June 1st or post-June 1st, you are losing money. You are not saving anything. You will lose – you will have $13 million in dead money before June 1st. You will have an additional 3.5 lost in, in salary cap space. He is with the Miami Dolphins until at least the 2019 offseason. That is when they can move on from him, and that is when they'll save some money. Yep. You look at other guys on the defensive side of the ball. You're not cutting Cam Wake. Although, if you did decide to move on from him, right, let's say the Dolphins wanted to just – completely blow up their team. You would save $8 million by cutting Cam Wake. And I don't think anyone wants to see Cam Wake finish his career anywhere else besides Miami, but that is $8 million. Lawrence Timmons, he voided his guarantees when he went AWOL. He is uh, dead money, though, $7.25 million, $975,000 in cap savings. TJ McDonald, you just signed him to You're not doing anything with him. Xavier Howard, you're not saving anything really, $300,000. You can cut Stefan Anthony and save $1.5 million, but you just spent the fifth-round pick on him. I mean, really, there is nobody on the defensive side of the ball that you can cut. I don't Wait, see- Matthew, Matthew, let's play a game real quick. Yeah, let's play. Quick, okay. I'm going to shout out how much cap savings we can have, and you guys say we're going to keep them or we're going to release them. All right, go ahead. Let's do it, you guys. Okay. 
Julius point six million dollars. Do we sign him or do we release him? Julius Thomas. You Seems release out. him. Yeah, get get out of here. Forget that guy. Yeah, yep. six point six. There's no way I'm Goodbye. keeping him for. And just just for record's sake, I believe it's like 1978. That was the last time we spent a third rounder or higher on tight end other than Michael Agnew. Sorry, second rounder. Uh, Michael Agnew, we, we spent a third rounder on. But uh, have not spent a first rounder on a tight end in a really long time. So I wonder why the tight end position has been so offense. Okay, I'm going to throw another name out there. Mike Pouncey, $7 million. Do we re-sign him or do we release him? Uh, that's a can tough you, one. Can you restructure? Yeah, you can restructure. No, well, then obviously restructure, but for the sake of the game, $7 million, based on what he's done this year, get the hell out of here. I'm trying to be a hard ass here, okay? Get out. Yep, goodbye. Bye. No, and I, and I agree with you guys, and I try to be as sympathetic, I as, I possibly, no. sympathetic as I possibly can, but I've just not been a big Mike Pouncey fan ever since he got here, really. I don't think the money has ever justified the play that we've seen on the field. I didn't think he a lot of his Pro Bowl considerations and please keep in mind that Pro Bowl consideration for an offensive lineman is nothing more than name recognition. It doesn't fans do not know what offensive linemen do. Okay? So the fact that Mike Pouncey was nominated for Pro Bowls I don't think is an argument to make for him. I haven't seen anything that justifies the money that he makes. And I think we're going to be smarter going in a different direction. And that's, that's about as hard ass as you're going to hear me get. All right. Next time, son. But, but, but Mike Pouncey has gone. Okay. Uh, Okay. Here's an interesting one. Now, Jawan James has the fifth tier option uh, that he has been uh, given by the Miami Dolphins, but the Miami Dolphins can take it away for no penalty. So we are currently offering Juwan James about $9.3 million to play right tackle next year. Do we keep that agreement, or do you think we rescind it? You rescind it, and you work out a long-term deal paying yes. him $67 million per year. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Kanad on that, but... There's no way this dude is going to be the third highest paid right tackle in the league on a $9 million salary. He is not the third best right tackle in the NFL. Kanata's pissed. but uh, I'm pissed. <laughs> Yeah, I'd, I'd do what Kanata said. If you can get him long-term for less than that, that'd be great. If not, you send that and send him packing. Get out of here. Get out of town. Okay. He gone. Okay, one more. I'm not going to really consider Ndamukong Sue. We could – with him for for some mild savings right now, but it just doesn't seem logical to me. But who knows? But one that is borderline controversial, and MC Money, you already touched on it. Well, Tannehill is fifteen point two million dollars, but I think oh, we all know that he that he's going to be that he's going to be. 
kind of controversial. You guys, you guys killed. No, no, not him. He's right, coming good. back. Now more. But Cam Wake. Cam oh, Wake. whoa. Yeah, yes. $8.125 million. I'm telling you, we, we may. Are, we are financially obligated into Can... Andre Branch. Okay, that's and Charles Harris. That's what I was gonna ask. Year. I was gonna ask about Branch. Cause... Will 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 William Hayes oh. is kind of on the fringe in terms of getting re-signed, and he's played at a very high level for us so far this year. In my opinion, Cam Wake obviously. It's bittersweet to even have this kind of conversation, but hear me out real quick. Could it possibly be the honorable thing to do him and see if he could sign with a Super Bowl contender? Uh, Personally, I tried to trade him if we're going to move him. I think you're right. He deserves better than what the Miami Dolphins have given him, and if we could find a suitable trade partner – I mean, you see what the going rate is. You got J.H.I. got a fourth-round pick, so I don't know what you'll get for Cameron Wake at his age. But uh, if, if we're going to get those savings, a trade would be the ideal situation, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a really tough decision. But you look at this defense, you look at this team, you look at the cash-strapped team that they are. Let's put it all on the table, right? Has Cam Wake helped his team make the playoffs or got to the Super Bowl the past several years? No. No. <laughs> no, he hasn't. He has you, not. You know, and you so know, you touched on William Hayes, and I think it's kind of the Dolphins voided that second year because he's been one of the surprise players on this defensive line. It would be real nice to have him for that relatively cheap salary that he had when we made that trade. That's just a – Discussion for a whole nother whatever, whatever the hell you want to do. All right. Anything else and any any other players you got for us? Yeah, come on, do it. Or give us your what's your opinion I mean, on Cam Wake, huh? Don't be don't be don't be dipping out in Cam Wake. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear it. <laughs> you, when, when you look at the numbers and you look at the money that we have invested in Andre Branch, we have the money invested in Charles Harris. William Hayes has played at a high level. It makes it very hard and considering the fact and I have to say it against Carolina he looked not very good against the run and and I don't mean that in any particular he looked like he cannot defend against the run anymore and, and it was kind of and, and, and it's kind of tough to say that because that makes him too one dimensional when you become too one-dimensional, then then you become a, a specialized package and not – sorry, an every-down defensive end, not what Cam Wake is used to being. So I'm Cam Wake deserves to go to a team that could contend for a, a Super Bowl next That's That's my hope for him. You know, I'll fall on the sword as a Dolphins fan to see – him prosper somewhere else. That's the sacrifice I'm willing to make for Cam Wake for the things that he's done for our organization. So the least I can do is swallow my pride and hope that Cam Wake kicks some ass somewhere else. But I think long-term, when you're looking at when would the Dolphins make noise, I don't think Cam Wake is on that team. So when you look at you know where the Dolphins can possibly go after this coming season – 
I think we may see a total shift in how this roster is constructed. We have right now on the Dolphins a lot of talented football players, and whether you believe that or not is up to you. But the fact of the matter is there are many talented players on this team. Year one, you build a foundation. Year two, you put up the walls. Year three, you decorate and make it look pretty. We're in year two, and the walls are crumbling down, folks. The foundation was put up very quickly with Adam Gates taking helmet. The walls are put up just as quickly as the foundation. And this year, they're finding out the walls are not supported by the foundation of the roster. And this is what you get. When you do things half-assed and you don't build a team the right way, and you sit there like Mike Tannenbaum's doing, and just doing whatever he wants, putting this team in a salary cap hell and doing what he did to the New York Jets, and the Jets still haven't recovered. It's just a shame that this team has turned into this because of one person's doing and their inability to construct a roster the right way. So when you're looking at Cam Wake, yes, you need to move on from him because you need to rebuild this entire roster. You need to bomb it out. And I think we could see the Dolphins move a shift where they're getting smart players instead of talented players who understand the nuances of the game. You look at the Patriots, they don't have much talent on their team, but they have guys who understand what they're supposed to do. And that's the way I think this team needs to be built. Damn. That was beautiful. I completely agree with you. <laughs> uh, I think you're 100% right. And, I mean, I miss Don Aponte. I don't miss Dennis Hickey. I don't miss – Jeff Island or any of those guys, everyone, but I do wish everyone everyone crapped on Donna Ponte, right? Yep. Everyone, everyone crapped on her. Now look at the team. Cap hell. Cap freaking hell. We love we love you, Don. Okay, hold on. Just take a step back for a second. Donna Ponte was there when we signed Mike Wallace and when we signed Indomitian Sue. So she was oh. part uh, she was part of the reckless spending but, that we but no no stop because here here's where here's where stop stop she structured the contract for Wallace to get out of it after two years she structured the contract for guys like Kelvin Shepard and Daniel Ellerby to get out of it after two years she structured and Dominican Sue's contract the Dolphins should be able to get out of his contract after this season but but remember, oh, my blood pressure is rising right now. <laughs> remember. Okay. Mike, no, don't cut me off. Mike Tannenbaum. Go ahead. Go ahead. Mike Tannenbaum restructured Indominus Sue's contract last offseason to free up money that the Dolphins did absolutely nothing with. And now you're stuck with him yeah. another year. Yeah, that was stupid. You're right. But there's, a, but there's only three people. There's only three people after 2018 that there's going to have any negative uh, salary cap implications for that we can't move on from. And those are rookies that we just drafted. So that's the nature of the beast. So there's not one person that we can't move on from at so this point in time. What's going to happen structure Sue's contract this offseason? You're going to push another year onto his contract. Well, that depends on them. I mean, we still could release him for almost $4 million in cap savings. And, yeah, it's a lot of dead money to give up, but we still save that much because we're going to be paying him that much. You're right. Restructuring, I don't think, was a smart decision to even start off with just because 
of how much was allocated road that again like you said we didn't use anything with so that was disappointing to see that happen you'd like to see the team kind of bite the bullet there early on to make sure that we got that out of the way so we could have more roster flexibility but at the same time this was that what once in a lifetime free agent that comes along and we happen to sign him so we did what we had to do to get him in Miami and then and he led the Dolphins kind, to kind of just how many Super Bowls after that. So. How many Super Bowls has he led the Dolphins to? Zero. How many playoff wins has he led um, the Dolphins to? None. Oh, yeah, as many since I've been alive, since 1982, yep. and that's a big, fat, freaking zero. Yep, because our boy Tannenbaum wants to make a splash, right? He's a dick. Wants to make a splash. But, but we have gotten better. The last couple of years since Adam Gates has become the head coach, we've become more frugal. And I think we've had better success going that route in free agency than going with the big splash. I mean, you, you, if you have a job, you walk into your job at work and you have a mess like this, this is the part where you just start looking for a new job and walk away. Right. The, the Dolphins have a huge mess on their hands, a huge mess. And, and it sucks because as a fan, you invest so much into the team. And it's true that some fans care more about the team than the actual players on the team do themselves. And, and we're just sitting here knowing that this team is a hot mess and that it's going to get worse before it gets better, in my opinion. This this is depressing. Can we just end Insider Radio forever right now? Just sign off the air, and then that's going to be here's here here's couple, one. A slight, couple people will be set. <laughs> here's one slight positive, though. Let me just throw this out there to you guys. Uh, here we go. You know, come on, we got to see if we can get a little silver lining in here, don't we? What's the, so, what's the silver lining? The clock hit zero at the end of the game on Monday night. <laughs> so I'm just looking towards 2018. I know our pie's in the sky right now. and Story of our life. Yep. Yeah, exactly. We're, Dolphins, we're, we're used to this feeling. The Dolphins are still technically in the playoff hunt. Don't forget that. They we are not mathematically eliminated. So what, what quadrant are we in with the playoff chase right now? <laughs> I mean, like, right on the outside, like, isn't there, like, a three-way tie for, like, are, I don't know. Are we in the third quadrant right now? Anyway, we, are, we are in the third quadrant, yes. So, I'm, I'm just looking at the re-signings that we might need to have happen in the offseason, and I'm just not seeing too many. And you guys can look down the list just like anybody else, but it doesn't look like we have that many major decisions. I see two and then a couple of, you know, 50-50 sort of things. So William Hayes, I think, is one we're going to have to make a defensive end, and I don't think we would give him a big contract necessarily or anything, but if we do re-sign him, what would that mean for Cam Wake? And then 
Uh, Jarvis Landry is obviously the biggest one going into the offseason. What do we do with him? And uh, and Dominican too. He's brought us zero playoff wins. So what does Jarvis Landry and paying him a shitload of money? What's that going to do? You know. Yeah. So so that's that's a whole other conversation entirely. And then you really just have a couple other secondary. Michael Thomas and Damian Williams and. Do you want to re-sign Matt Moore or Jay Cutler to play backup quarterback to Ryan Tannehill in 2018? That's really it from what I can see in terms of necessary players to re-sign. This, this is depressing. We are literally watching a team that is falling apart before our eyes. Does Adam Gates survive this? He'll survive it this year. He'll survive it this year because, as I tweeted out, there is no way Stephen Ross is firing him, and I have that on good record. And he's not getting fired this year. But does he survive year three, and does he survive year four? And, and if he doesn't, then the next coach that comes in, is he going to then find success that this regime built up a foundation for? Or is this regime even capable of building a suitable foundation? Uh, I think if we see a similar thing as we are this year, next year with Adam Gase, I don't know how he will survive that. And whether or not anyone can come in here and turn this team around, we're Dolphin fans. We, we feel like everyone's against us. We feel like the sky's falling every year. I, I, I just sit back and I just wait to see a winning franchise. I thought last year this team was being built the right way. And then they come back and we see what they're doing this season. So. I'm starting to lose hope. I'll forever be a Dolphins fan. That's their number one in my heart. But until I start seeing success year in and year out, I, I don't know that this team isn't cursed ever since Marino left. It has to, something has to be wrong with them, right? Some some kind of jinx. I don't know. Yeah. God, God hates us all. That, that's not true. I take that back. <laughs> <laughs> when do we start looking at the coaches on this team? And because everyone's regressed, it seems like. Everyone on the offense has regressed. Everyone on the defense has regressed. I mean, is every single coach that bad on this team? Or is it uh, – what, what is going on with this team? I just can't put my finger on it. Son, what are you seeing out there? Well, think about it. When, when we were talking about Matt Burke earlier in the year, we were talking about, oh, man, this is sweet. We had a guy that was pretty much groomed to be the defensive coordinator for this year. He studied under Vance Joseph. They know the scheme. They know everything. This is just a continuation from what we did last year. And lo and behold, it's a wildly inconsistent defense like we're used to seeing every year for the Dolphins. Since, uh, what, like 2005 maybe? Ever since then, like, it's just been a complete crapshoot. What, what we get out of this defense, we'll, we'll see alternating moments of a great pass rush and a secondary that can't cover anybody, great run defense, and we give up huge plays down the field. I mean, it's just one thing or another. So it's really – uh, it's really hard to tell just because Adam Gase, you know, he's played with historic offenses. So it's not like he suddenly forgot how to call plays or structure 
effective offense. So you just wonder. You have to take a step back. You have to, as a Dolphins fan, and just evaluate the talent that's on the field. Now, I know we've we hit the injury bug, especially earlier in the season. We lost a lot of key people. But other teams have done that, and they've played at a higher level than the Dolphins have played recently. So you have to ask the question, do go down players, why is our depth always so consistently poor? And that's something that we're going to have to address going forward. I don't know how to do it, to be honest with you, but it's something we need to figure out. We can sit here and try to analyze this entire situation, but I don't think we're capable of doing it because it's so big. It's not like they have one or two holes that they need to fill it is just an absolute total disaster. And I think we've used that word disaster about 55 times already tonight. It's so I don't know. I don't know, boys. I don't know where we go from here. Anyways, Mike Tannenbaum, does he survive this season? I'm, I'm putting my bets on no, he does not. He's not going to get fired in season. But last year when the Dolphins were amidst their losing streak, Behind closed doors, Mike Tannenbaum and Adam Gase were not getting along very well. Winning cured that. Winning cures everything. Winning can help a bad relationship turn into a decent one. And that's what last year did. This year, they're in the same boat. And if I had to bet, if I was a betting man and I'm not because betting is for suckers, and you always lose, the house always wins. But if I was a betting man, I'd bet that Adam Gase would get his way this offseason and we see Mike Tannenbaum be let go by Steve Ross. But is Adam Gates a better evaluator anyways? And the results say no. He picked Julius Thomas. He picked Kenny Stills. He picked Andre Branch. Jay Cutler. He picked Jay Cutler. He picked Ted Larson. Uh, uh, you're putting trust in this guy to, to pick your players now too? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you're right. You said you're not a betting man and the house always wins. I like that. You are right. House always does win. Um, <laughs> you said house or house? House. Yeah, house yeah, always, always wins. <laughs> uh, that's what you said, right? Um, but for me, I mean, Tannenbaum, he, he was one of those signings when he first came in. A lot of fans didn't like it. I don't know where you guys stood on it, but I always – New York and – Sure, they made it to a couple AFC championship games, but he put them in cap hell, and I just knew that as soon as he got here that things weren't going to be good, and i just been waiting, counting down the days for him to be on his way out. I kind of hope they're grooming Dan Marino to kind of fill that role, but we know what he did last time he was in that position. He, I think he lasted a whole day. So does Adam Gase get more control? I know we've been talking about on the Finsider. Matt and his sources have mentioned several times that he's been jockeying for that, that role with the organization, and – like Matt said, is he is he competent enough to have that role? You see Jay Cutler, you see Julius Thomas, you see all these guys that seem to be Adam Gase handpicked, and they just ain't doing shit for this team. So well, could Adam Gase get full control and turn this organization around? That's a tough question. I, I still trust in Adam Gase. I want to believe he can do it, and I want to think he can do it better than what Mike Tannenbaum can do because as far as I'm concerned, I, I look forward to seeing Mike Tannenbaum. I look forward to my phone alerting me saying breaking news, the Dolphins have – fired Mike Tannenbaum because 
He can go do whatever else elsewhere, go with whatever other organization he pleases. He can even go join freaking Stephen Ross's drone league for all I care. Just get the hell away from the Dolphins. <laughs> just just get away from the Dolphins. Go oh, do whatever you got to do and, and, and let us get on and try to turn this thing, this thing around. Sutton, I mean, do you have confidence in Adam Gates to, to lead the personnel department? Good question. I mean, it's and it's hard to tell what input Adam Gase and Mike Tannenbaum and Chris Greer, how that whole conversation kind of plays out and who's, you know, that Greer's on the scouting side of things and not necessarily in contract negotiations. But I don't think what is clear is how the three of them work together to make a draft pick. We don't know what the war room is like for them. Tannenbaum is removed from that situation, then how does it change when it's just Adam Gase and Chris Greer working together and you don't have a quote-unquote bureaucrat kind of looking over things? So that's, that's a great question. You have to like Gase's perception on – on how people can transition into this Miami offense because Bushrod was a tackle coming in, playing guard, and I know he has struggled this year. But he has come in and played starting guard for this team for two consecutive years. And I think last year played at a pretty decent level. So he does have some credibility in terms of players that he's worked with in the past and bringing – him in new now in terms of rookies coming out main question that we want to ask how are they evaluating rookies coming out from college this year yet to be seen yeah i mean talent evaluation is hard I mean, enough as it is when you have a head coach doing it all Bill Belichick does it, but they miss on a lot of draft picks. Every team not, misses on a lot of draft picks. and I mean, do you bring a strong general manager in, replace Greer? But then if you bring a strong GM in, he may not want Gase, and then you're battling that after a year and then jockeying for control like we see all over the place, right? But there are strong teams yeah, and that- there. And that's what's annoying about that's what's annoying about these decision trees that happen and who gets wrapped up in decision making is that it ends up being a pissing match between people with bigger egos and it's yeah. it's not about making the right choice it's about trying to get someone out of the equation and it's it's almost like politics and that's just kind of annoys me that egos seem to interfere more so than anything else in terms of making smart decisions for organizations. But I mean, these are people vying for millions of dollars, basically. So you can kind of understand the, the ruthlessness of the business, but it doesn't, it doesn't make for, for better football decisions sometimes. I, I would say Adam Gase needs to coach. And the Dolphins should bring in a strong general manager who actually knows how to construct the roster and make the tough decisions to tear it apart 
give Adam Gates the time that he needs to rebuild this roster by his coaching and then go from there. And speaking of Adam Gates and focusing on coaching, tons and tons of people have been calling for him to give up play calling. And I just want to get both of your thoughts on that before we go to the Finsider mailbag. So how do you think Adam Gates should give up play calling? Uh, I mean, his play calling has definitely been atrocious as of late, but, I mean, who are you going to give it to, Clyde Christensen? I, I just don't know if that's the right answer. You kind of got to think that the whole reason Adam Gase was in the position he was to have all these teams kind of flock to him and have his pick of the litter when he was a head coaching candidate is because of what he did in Denver as a play caller. So, I mean, for me, I, I can't argue with those that are calling for him to give up duties because lately it just seems like it's the same predictable shit that you've seen all season long. But in the end, I, I don't know that Clyde Christensen could do any better. I don't know that anyone else on this coaching staff could do better. So, I got to kind of like Adam Gates ride or die this season. And if you so choose to bring another offense coordinator, maybe then we can revisit this and decide then. But as of now, I mean, Adam Gates, he was a pretty good play caller last season when he had Tannehill, when he had the offense clicking on all cylinders. But, but this year, things just seem to be off. And, I mean, it just seems like one of the most predictable offenses in the NFL. I mean, you saw that fourth and one call. I, th I think he was in shotgun. They handed off to Damian Williams. Like, what What were you thinking? Like, it, yeah. it was just so, there's just so many plays that you just look at him and you're like – Dude, like before the play is even called, they say the linebackers know what's going on. The fans at home know you're running the football. It's second down. You didn't get any yards on first. You're running the football. It's common sense. It's something that we can all see. And you just wonder, is Adam, Gens Adam Gates just simplifying the offense too much because he doesn't think Peter properly? I mean, that's all stuff that we don't know as fans. But at the end of the day, I trust in Adam Gates. He's the coach that I want to see in Miami and I hope to see for many years to come. But that offense has been very shitty this year, and I just don't know that giving up the play calling duties would change that. Yeah, just trying to connect all the dots of the differences between the offense last year and the and how the offense has looked so far this year. And you just see a lack of trust in Gase with his players being able to execute plays. And you see it no more than – the amount of opportunities that we've seen this offense go down the field, and I mean throwing the ball down the field, it has rarely happened, rarely. And you just cannot play offense in the NFL and expect to be able to keep defensive, defenses off balance. If you're only going to throw the ball down the field one time a game, you just can't do it. And that's the reason it seems so vanilla so far this year. We're not throwing the ball down the field. We're doing all this West Coast, East West, dumping it off now. At least that's working for us so far. I mean, we've been able to dump the ball off to the running back, and that's worked so far better than it did beginning of the year. But we're still just doing too much stuff with Julius Thomas and and – and stuff in the middle of the field that's just not working. We just we have to be able to get the ball down the field, and it just doesn't seem like the personnel that we have is able to execute that kind of game plan. And until we're able to do that, again, that's why I, I asked the Ryan Tannehill question earlier, because having Jay Cutler now this year has made me appreciate one thing about Ryan Tannehill that I, I think we took for granted, at least a lot of us, especially earlier in his career. And that's his long ball. And he made plenty of long passes 
the last couple of years, both in the pocket and outside of the pocket, that extend plays, that make big plays for us, that we are completely missing out of this offense. And without that element, it's very clear that not even Jay Ajayi, he's, he got traded away like that because we, what were we going to do on offense? It wasn't working with him. So what other bell cow could we have that was going to be able to mask this stench this year? Great question. I don't think any of us have the answers to that. And that's why we're sitting here doing this therapy session tonight. And that's why we were all on Twitter last night on Monday night when we, when the Dolphins lost. And that's why we all continued on Twitter the day after and just venting after venting after venting after venting. And we could sit here all night and vent and try to figure yep. out what's wrong with this team. It's ultimately going to get us nowhere, but it's fun as hell to talk about, right? Or depressing as hell is a better term, but it's still fun to realize how terrible this team is right now. <laughs> um, all right, let's go to the Finsider mailbag. Let's pick up two or three questions. What do we have going on? Man, a lot of opinions. Um, oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> here's one, and it's not very serious, but someone could please answer it. Mike Green and Associates ask, what would the point spread be, look like if the Finns played the Canes this weekend? <laughs> I felt like that was a very good question, and I, I would be very intrigued to know what that would be. So. Kanata, our sport, our points guru, or Sutton, yeah. our other points guru. Yep, I think the the University of Miami would beat the Miami Dolphins if they played last last night. It's not even like the Dolphins were touching any anyone on the Panthers. The Panthers are running free without being touched. I could have ran against the Dolphins defense on Monday night, assuming they don't touch me. The minute they touch me, I would have died on the field. But assuming <laughs> they don't touch me, I could I could have done the same plays. Well, if they touch you, that's harassment, okay? And I won't stand for it. Thanks, and I will have your back. I will have your back through the whole process, okay? I'm gonna yeah. say I'm gonna say it wouldn't matter because they both be playing on that terrible field, and it would probably just implode, and both teams would just vanish. Next question. <laughs> Next question. Okay, so we have a we have a couple from Redwood. Redwood. And I will read. Yes, I'm gonna read. Uh, from the bottom up, and he's he had a question about Alonzo, and we've talked about him. Can you discuss Sue's contract situation? I assume for however many years he has left on his deal, the dead money were he to be released would be too prohibitive. Is there room to restructure? Why, if he is continually taking up double teams, is no one else stepping in to make the plays? Is he worth anywhere remotely what he is being paid? Um, I'll throw a quick answer out there, then I'll throw this one to you, MC Money. Yeah, he has been taking some double teams, but yeah, there have been times where he's not, and he's not winning all the time. But it's really, man, it's it's tough to start criticizing Sue. I think he's kind of one of the last of the concerns that we have. I know the contract that he initially signed with us and it was so inflammatory because it was the biggest defensive contract ever, you know, no, biggest non-quarterback contract ever signed. So it came with all this emotional baggage and everything, but I think he's level. You've seen Devon Godshaw come along. You've seen Vincent Taylor come along. 
encouraging to see this defense come come together. The run defense has sucked recently, but I think they're going to be okay down the road. We do have two young defensive tacklers, Godshaw and Vincent Taylor. It's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out, but I do think the sooner the Dolphins move on from Sue, as soon as they are able to, the quicker they can start building this roster in a direction that they want to go in. All right, one more question from the Finsider Mailbag. All right, I got another one from Redwood, and this is a question I'll take. Uh, yeah, should the Dolphins be looking to draft a quarterback next May? With Tannehill coming off an injury, and anyway, his game has a certain ceiling. Cutler surely will retire after this year. Moore was abysmal against the Ravens. Should they draft a quarterback? Uh, I think they absolutely must. I think I've been calling it for, for quite a few years now. I think Brandon Dowdy was the best thing they brought in to develop as a quarterback. And with such a loaded class in 2018, I think the Dolphins need to look somewhere, if not early in the draft, definitely before the mid-rounds. I mean, you got Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Mason Rudolph, Luke Falk, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Sam Darnold. I mean, you got all these guys who can come in and could be a franchise quarterback. And honestly, if you're going to bring back Ryan Tannehill, whether you restructure him or just let him come back and play on his current contract, any of those quarterbacks you draft, they can sit, they can learn, they can develop in Adam Gase's offense learn from Ryan Tannehill. I think that's the way the Dolphins need to go. Uh, I'm sick of seeing Matt Moore out there. Uh, we certainly as hell don't need to see Jay Cutler anymore. So if I, I absolutely, if it were up to me, the Dolphins are drafting a quarterback within the first three rounds. And that's just my opinion. What about you guys? I agree with that because let's look at this year. Tannehill goes down. You could have put in a young quarterback and see what you have in him instead of shooting for Jay Cutler and bringing him in and he just throws off his uh, back foot and just tosses it up in the air. You look at other teams like the Texans, right? Deshaun Watson, they wanted him to sit. He comes in and lights it up. Brett Hundley even is, it had a good game against um, who they play on Sunday. Whoever they played on Sunday, he had a pretty good game and starting to show signs of life. Deshaun Kaiser for the Browns starting to show a little bit signs of life. I mean, it would be it would have been wonderful for the Dolphins to say, okay, Tannehill went down. The season might be lost, but we're going to see what we have in this guy we drafted in round two. And if he has something, well, then we have an excellent problem on our hands. If he doesn't have something, now we know he needs more development or we need to keep finding one. Ron Wolf, one of the greatest GMs ever, always said that he took a quarterback in every single draft. I think there's only one draft in his entire career where he didn't take a quarterback. When's the last time the Dolphins took a quarterback in the draft? I can't even remember. Um, and if it was recent, it's only like one of those once in every 10 years type of thing. They need to they need to take a quarterback. They need to take one early because even with an ACL injury, you're never guaranteed you're going to be the same way again. Okay, so here here's where it gets murky for me. So I'm going to kind of disagree with you guys here. We've seen what a second or third round quarterback would do this year with this offense, and that's exactly what Cutler and Matt Moore have done with this offense. So we know they're not going to. We know they're not going to do anything. Did you see how many guys Cutler missed on Monday night? I mean, it was bad. It, I, I will not lie. It was not. It was not good. It was but, bad. Yes. Yeah, so the the ideal situation here would be. Tannehill's our starting quarterback, and for whatever reason, comes in, comes in, puts good tape on film, 
and then becomes this Matt Flynn type where we draft them really late in the draft, but then ends up getting this huge turnaround in draft capital. I think that's the best case scenario, but teams usually don't find themselves in that situation unless you're positions, which we are not. And I think what this year has illuminated, yes, how important Ryan Tannehill was, but how far we are in terms of all the other position groups away with com- competing on a consistent level with the upper echelon teams in the NFL. So there's a lot of work to do. So it would be nice to invest in an early round quarterback, but I don't think 2018 is where we do it. Can I just throw a name out there real quick? I mean, 2016 draft, the fourth round, Dak Prescott. You can't tell me that Dak Prescott, based on what we've seen him do in Dallas, couldn't have come in here with this offense and done a hell of a lot more than either Matt Moore or Jay Cutler, in my opinion. And I don't know why. Uh, Dak Prescott, I know he had the DUI. I know he fell down some draft boards, but he looked great at the Senior Bowl. He was a great prospect coming out. There's no reason why the Dolphins or any other team outside of Dallas didn't have their eye on him because Dak Prescott, he was the perfect example of that. I mean – Roma went down, or Roma retired, Dak Prescott comes in, and the team doesn't skip a beat. If, if Ryan Tannehill gets hurt, if Matt Moore gets hurt, I mean, you got Dak Prescott in there. I know it's not the ideal situation. You don't got that offensive line. You sure as hell don't have a Zeke Elliott. But Dak Prescott, with these weapons we have right now, this team would be on their way to the playoffs, in my opinion. I agree. I completely agree. All right, we're going to pick up one question from Twitter. And if we didn't get to your question, we apologize, but we can't. There's so many questions that if we answered every question, we love you, you would all. be here the entire night. We love you all. Yeah, we do love you all. Let me just pick up one from Twitter and Rob Caruth. Caruth. Oh. Caruth. All right, we answered most of your questions already, Rob, but one we'll pick out is Adam Gase in trouble with this locker room. Cameron Waite kind of said something interesting on Monday night following the game. He said – What did he say? He said to paraphrase. What did he say? He's, he said, when you have guys going untouched on the offensive side of the ball, running past the defense, there is some kind of communication breakdown, some kind of breakdown that needs to be seriously looked at. And, and it was hinting at that Matt Burke's schemes are trash. Not that so might bad. be too strong. That <laughs> might be some strong language. And, and Wake probably didn't mean that his schemes are trash. But I think he was pointing daggers in the direction of Matt Burke with that. Yeah, you know, we touched on earlier. We said about how Matt Burke, uh, should he be replaced? But then you look at what he, who he took over for, Vance Joseph. I mean, I think he's a bit over in over his head in Denver. I don't know that he was deserving of becoming a head coach. I mean, he certainly was at some point in his career. But right now, I thought it was a little bit premature after that one good season with Miami. And then you immediately you uh, promote a guy like Matt Burke. I, I do think that he's in that kind of same situation where – he might not have quite have been ready to be a defense coordinator in NFL, but he just got thrown to the wolves. And I think that's what we're seeing with Miami's defense this year. So before we, we before we sign off for this weekend, before we end our therapy session, you know, just kind of recapping the show here, we jumped all over the place. Did we have a sound structure tonight for this show? No. And we usually, before the show begins and, and the hours leading up to the show, We'll text each other and kind of figure out what the format's going to be and how we're going to make things flow. Tonight we said we're not going to have any structure. We're not going to plan anything. We're just going to talk. And wherever it leads us, it's going to lead us. Because sometimes after games like we had on Monday nights, 
We just need to pretend we're sitting at a bar with each other and just let the conversation flow from one topic to the next. So if we seemed a bit jumpy tonight, that's why. Um, we'll get back on track with a more structured format next week, hopefully, when the Dolphins beat the Buccaneers and are one game out of the wild card and keep everyone hope again until they get blasted hopefully. after. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you know, sometimes we need sessions like this where we can just vent, kind of make ourselves feel a little better without drinking alcohol. And we hope you enjoy, you know, venting with us and listening to us vent and just give you the bloom and doom outlook for the Miami Dolphins. But I saw a quote on Twitter earlier and it said, in the NFL, it's never as good as it seems and it's never as bad as it seems. And I think that's true because you look at teams who are really good and at the end of the day, there's only one winner at the end of the season. And if the team is doing really well, are they really that good? Or are there other factors into play? And if a team is really that bad, are they really that, that bad? I mean, you look at teams who get blown out, come back the next week and blow up the next team that they face. So, so I agree with that quote, and I think that's important to keep in mind. And while we all want the Dolphins to do well, and yes, if they give it one hell of a run for the playoffs, the reality is, based on their schedule, it's going to be very, very hard to do so. Adam Gates is going to need to work miracles if he wants to get to the point where they pick up nine, ten wins. Nine wins minimum. They're four and five right now. Like we said, you got to go play the Buccaneers, Broncos, the Bills twice, the Patriots twice, and the Chiefs in Kansas City. That is one hell of a schedule to finish out the season. Any last thoughts from you, House and Sutton, before we sign off for this week? Okay, yeah, one thing that I'll just throw out that you were talking about with the, the, the remaining schedule and everything. The one thing that seems to curse the Dolphins is we are in that purgatory where we're always close enough to kind of sniff the playoffs, but always far enough away where we don't get that blue chipper of a draft prospect. And it seems like we're going to fall into that trap. So I'm curious, team, are we supposed to lose to that will actually be here to screw up awesome draft pick and to a more mediocre one, what would your game be? I'm going to say the Chiefs game at Kansas City. Uh, for some reason, I feel like we're going to win that game and screw up our draft pick. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, that's the ultimate trap game, right? That, that would be the one. That would be the one. Houts? Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I just – I'm – I'm at loss for words. I mean, I looked it up. There's a great quote from one of uh, the Batman movies. It says, the night is darkest just before the dawn, and I promise you the dawn is coming. I, I don't know if that's just some meme that I found on the internet or if that's actual quote. <laughs> it, it, came, it came straight from Batman's mouth, so keep your chin up, everyone. Uh, yeah, we're probably going to finish like 8-8 eight and eight and get one of those mid-tier draft picks like we always do, but at some point, I mean, at some point this team – whether we finish with 10 or 11 wins five years from now, I mean, at some point we're going to get the ships chip right. And let's just hope Adam Gase is that guy because we thought he was last year. This year took a step back. Yes, there were injuries, but 
good's gonna come. I just, I just, don't, I just don't know when. Houts, the night, the night is dark and full of terrors. We know yeah. that. We know that Matthew won't understand what that means because he's yeah. a Game of Thrones dumbass. But no, nope, I don't. We, I have no we, idea. We love just him. Go, just go watch it. <laughs> All right, and she sounds good. Yeah. Okay. And, and and you know, and with and with that quote, Houts, you you know, you're, you're the, the the whatever you say that the, the moon is darkest before the dawn, or the dawn is darkest before the day, and. The yeah, night sure. Batman, Batman said it. I did not say it. Batman. <laughs> the night is darkest before the dawn. Is that what it was? The night is darkest just before the dawn. I'm telling you. I, I looked it up. I knew it was a quote from the movie. I forgot it. Batman's right here in front of me in a meme. He's saying it. I, I, I got to believe it's true. Pressing and, him on his sauces. And, and Pre- the, Pressing him. My sauce and, says Batman. says shit will get better. That's basically what I'm getting at. Who's your, so- who's your sauce on this quote? <laughs> the the unfortunate thing is dolphin fans have experienced many many dark nights and every time we think the dawn is coming we hit the daylight savings time we turn back the clocks and go back into the night <laughs> too soon <laughs> so that's I, I i've got nothing guys it's got to be the way you end it right there <laughs> I, I am one of the most positive people you will ever meet and I am always looking at the glass half full. That after Monday night's game, the Dolphins have beaten me into depression and into a state where I just can't be positive at this point in time. Let's hope they turn around against the Buccaneers. We will talk to you next week on Finsider Radio, hopefully discussing a Miami Dolphins victory. But for now, and for Sutton, the creepy soccer dad, and House MD, I am MC Money. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Finside Radio. Thank you for venting with us. We hope to talk to you next time here on Finside Radio. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. 
why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.